Thank you for listening to episode number seven of Dogs in Our World. While visiting Vashon Island, Washington to interview Temple Grandin for the last episode I did, I witnessed something spectacular when I was there. It, it was so impressive and fitting for this show. I had to grab my new microphone and share the experience with you. So in this episode, I'm going to take you to a competition and festival called the Vashon Sheepdog Classic. This annual event is a breathtaking display of the dog-human connection. So in this special report of Dogs in Our World, we're going to learn about the fascinating world of sheepdog trials and the people and dogs involved with this sport. I'll tell you more in a second. Let's get into it. You are listening to Dogs in Our World a show that explores the history, science, and importance of the domestic dog. Here's your host, Adam Winston. I was recently on this uh, sort of working vacation and trying to record that Temple Grandin interview you last heard. Um, I knew there was this sheepdog herding competition happening on the island that same weekend, and I had tickets. I also didn't know what to expect, but of course I had to check it out. And what I soon saw after arriving to the Vashon Sheepdog Classic was something, it was just so spectacular. I can't even explain it well enough myself. So on the last day of the four-day festival, I loaded up my recording gear and went behind the scenes of my first sheepdog competition. Not only was watching the handlers and, and the dogs work together, a beautiful thing, but the venue itself was was breathtaking. The competition takes place on these rolling, beautiful farm fields with the most colorful trees and sky as a backdrop, and, and the people. They were so cool. My name is Maggie McClure, and I'm the executive director of the Vashon Sheepdog Classic. I uh, kind of ambushed Maggie with my microphone as she was tending to the sheep among many other responsibilities. Can I start over? She was, however, kind enough to agree to an interview in the middle of her bustling festival. Well, as you can see, it's one of the most magical fields around. It's just a spectacular backdrop for what we do. Uh, spectators, you can, you, they can have an opportunity to um, almost be within the course. The, just the natural amphitheater feeling of the spectator area allows them to actually be right above the work and see what's going on. And down on the field, the competitor and their dog are a significant distance from one another. Uh, It's actually better if Ian explains. He worked from sunup to sundown, not only competing, but working the field. Essentially, if if this competition was a music festival, Ian and his dog are kind of like the all-in-one stage manager and musician. My name is Ian Caldecott. I'm one of the handlers. I'm also in charge of the set-out crew. We're the people who put the sheep out on the field for everybody's run. Well done, Ian and Goose. Ian can better explain exactly what the competition entails. The whole course involves sending the dogs down about 400 yards to gather a bunch of five sheep, bring them down the field through a set of gates, down to where you're standing, around a post, out oh, about 150 yards through a set of gates, across the field through a third set of gates, 
back to a circle that's marked with little sandbags where you've got to split the sheep into two groups, then put them back together again and put them in a pen. How did you end up here? Um, I've been coming for years to this event. Um, it's one of the more challenging courses that we see. And for a lot of us, that's what it's about, is finding new challenges for the dogs. To help me get my history fix, Maggie McClure explained to me that she believes competitions like the Vashon Sheepdog Classic began all the way back in the 1870s on the Scottish-Welsh border. I did some extra research for this episode, and I'm learning about early dog trialing competitions that were also first held around the same time in New Zealand and Australia. First Here's Maggie. Dog trial, and it was basically shepherds uh, showcasing their the work of their dog and the abilities of their dog. So, you know, they get bragging rights and potentially breeding rights. If, you know, if you see a dog that you think, wow, if I cross that talent with the talent that I have at home, maybe I will produce a dog that's going to be handy to me on my farm or ranch in the future. So the breeding isn't about how they look. It's about their work ethic. It's about the method in which they handle their livestock it's about uh, the temperament of the dog and how, how, it's, how helpful it's going to be. So if you have a dog that's lacking in one department, well, then maybe you find a dog who can fill that gap and, and make a stronger dog. How did you get into this? Um, well, I had a border collie uh, that I got from a friend who, who was very active in this sport, um, and I got that dog to be an agility dog. I was very deep into competing with my dogs in agility and wanted to take it up a notch and get a faster dog and this and that. And so I rescued this border collie from a friend and he just really didn't do well with agility. <laughs> so we tried and we tried and then I thought, well, for bonding purposes, uh, maybe we should go try this and experience some sheep and... Uh, see if we can encourage our own relationship to be better for the for agility. Um, but once I went out and gave it a try, I pretty much went from teaching agility three days a week and competing every weekend. I just dropped it and just moved on to doing this, and I got hooked and done. You know, that was 23 years ago. Hmm. During the timed trial. The competitors, they stand uh, back near the judges' table, and they communicate to their dogs, who are all the way out on the field, by whistling. You know, It was a spectacle uh, watching these dogs run full speed, then turn on a dime as a new whistle traveled to their attentive ears from across the distance of, like, th- three football fields. Here's me talking to Ian as his dog, Goose, keeps a watchful eye on both him and the field. Can you try to explain to me what these whistles, these calls are? Sure. The whistles are basically just variations of the voice commands that we use. It's that the whistle carries much further. So instead of us having to shout and scream for the dog to hear us a long way off, the whistle carries better. And everybody has different whistles. I have two different sets because I work two dogs at the same time. So that was actually going to be my next question. Does everybody use the same kind of whistle or people have their own unique personal ones between them and their dog? Yeah, there are kind of some fairly common sets, but basically it's a personal choice. Is this a bad time for you to do some of those whistles? Are they about to do? Are they I see on? nobody on the field, so no. 
It's good, good. We can do it now. All right. Here we go. So I can give you some gooses. The most yeah, explain them as you go. Yeah. Right, the most obvious one is to stop. And then for him to go forward. And then for him to go clockwise. And for him to go counterclockwise. I had no idea that you're actually using a device to make those whistles. I thought you guys were using your fingers. Sorry if we confused you, Goose. Come on back, Goose. Get this. Goose has his own following. Ian told me that uh, folks came out just to see Goose compete. I'm, I'm not kidding. You can follow Goose's career on Ian's website, which is Wolston.com. That's W-O-L-S-T-O-N.com. As always, we'll add a research link to this episode page at dogsinourworld.com. Okay, moving on. I was so impressed with the obedience and control that these dogs demonstrated when out on the field herding sheep. The handlers made it look so easy, but as a dog trainer, I can't imagine the amount of time and effort it takes to get to this level. How do you train a dog to do this? They're, they're, they're yards and yards away. Oh, I know. Well, you start close where you can have an impact on the dog and have a conversation with the dog. Um, I've had, I mean, I was a clicker trainer for 25 years, so I have a background in how to utilize marker-based training. And in a way, we do a bit of that, but we don't use a sound marker like a clicker. Um, we're not using treats. The dogs are motivated to do this. So the motivational factor is not play, t- praise, touch. It's work. So the work is the piece that matters the most. So we don't necessarily do anything that I'd call positive reinforcement. Um, we use a lot of what is referred to as negative punishment, which would be if you're not right, we're going to take the sheep away. So maybe that means the dog has to lie down. You know, if he's not acting right, if we lie the dog down, the sheep are move away. So he loses his access to that which he wants, which is the sheep. So we work on shaping and getting their mind correct in terms of how they use their body around the sheep. All that happens at hand. And then we slowly grow uh, to 400, 500, 600 yards. But it all starts at 20 feet away. Ooh, that last sound bite. That reminds me of episode number five with Julie Forbes when we talked about the importance of incentive when working with dogs, remember? All right, all right, coming up in part two, I'll introduce you to two other competitors who I met at the annual Vashon Sheepdog Classic. Our guests will also talk about the unique bond that they have with their dogs and what it's like competing together. There's some really cool people that I really want you to meet, so don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Support Dogs in Our World by making a donation. This fun and informative show is free to the public, but it's not free to produce. Every dollar donated goes directly towards production expenses. Help Adam improve the lives of dogs and people through more episodes just like this one. Donate today at dogsinourworld.com. Show your support for Dogs in Our World by visiting the donation page at dogsinourworld.com. You can also support the show by leaving a rating or comment in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We want to hear from you. Send us your comments and questions by using the contact page at dogsinourworld.com. 
What is your first and last name? What is it you do? Where are you from? Who are you? <laughs> I'm Lori Chamberlain. I'm from Solana Beach, California, which is near San Diego. I'm retired. I used to uh, work in a legal-related job, and uh, now I'm doing a lot of dog trialing. I'm Dick Wilson. I'm from Graham, Washington, and I'm retired. A former uh, telecommunication executive. I do photography and um, been in uh, working with dogs for about 13 years in sheepdog trials. Everyone I met behind the scenes of the Vashon Sheepdog Classic were, were interesting. They were down to earth. They were just good hearted folks, uh, especially competitors Lori Chamberlain and Dick Wilson, who you just met. I could have spent all day hanging out with just those two. Uh, they both kind of they, they kind of fell into this mesmerizing world of sheepdog competitions. Somebody gave me a border collie, asked me if I wanted to work it, and I said no, I didn't have time. And then I took this puppy to I lived near the coast to I took it to Dog Beach, and I got there with my nine-month-old dog, and she attempted to round up all the dogs at the beach. And then I thought, oh dear, I'm not sure I can have this dog and not give her what she's clearly bred to do, which is to work. And that was the hook. 35, 40 years. Walked into the veterinary, and the vet says, you know what you got here? I said, I got a border collie. And he says, well, you're going to have to work that dog. You're going to be in trouble. You're going to have to work with sheep. I said, sheep? I'm a city girl guy. I grew up in the city. Now, why do I work with sheep? He's going to drive you nuts. Thirteen years later, here I am. <laughs> Enjoy it immensely. Uh, before I forget, I posted photos of the people and dogs I met in the gallery page at dogsinourworld.com. So check them out and let me know what you think. Also, thanks to John DeGrone from, uh, for photographing my conversations with everyone in this episode. He was one of the official photographers of the festival and was kind enough to hook us up. Okay, okay. Back to Lori Chamberlain and Dick Wilson. Who is this down here? This is Hank. Uh, Hank is my six-year-old open dog. Um, so he's just coming into his prime. Could you tell me about your dog here? Mm-hmm. Um, Beth Ann is a six-year-old Border Collie. I've had her uh, two and a half years. I got her from a friend of mine that unfortunately uh, passed away, so I, I picked her up from the family. And uh, we're total partners. Just look at the pictures I posted, and you will clearly see the special connection these people have with their dogs. They were really some of the strongest, most powerful connections I have ever seen between someone and their their pet. Could you try to describe to me, because this show looks a lot at um, the relationship between dogs and humans. Do you and Hank have a special relationship? And if so, how could you describe it to me? Hmm, good question. I I have a, yeah, I think we have a very special relationship. He, I mean, he knows when we're going to go out to work sheep. Uh, he can tell by which shoes I'm putting on. He, he now thinks of himself as the number one dog in our house, so he thinks that he 
can get on the bed and the other dogs can't. Um, so he he's feeling that special bond. And by he, you know he's six, so I've been working him for a while, and so that has deepened the communication lines between us. So I think we communicate pretty well, and it's like I said at the beginning, it's really special. What can this relationship and what could this um, sport, the relationship between the handler and the dog, what can that teach us about the connection between dogs and humans? You know, that's that's a very good question. <clears throat> um, from my point of view, um, I have been very blessed. I had a uh, dog that was my service dog initially, and that was a Border Collie. First, first dog I got in 30, 40 years, actually. And... Uh, it was it was he was unique he watched over me a lot and uh, out of that relationship i got another dog and then we start doing more hand working together and border collies are so smart they're the smartest dog on the face of the earth their intelligence is unbelievable they know how you feel and it's it is truly truly unbelievable it's there is it doesn't go past 7:30 in the morning and she has awakened me up you know so she's that type when we travel together she's right there and she knows what time to get up she anticipates things and it's just unbelievable now unlike dick wilson ian caldecutt and his dog goose they work full-time on a farm even though goose is essentially an employee or farmhand he and ian still share their own special bond both on and off the field. Do you feel you have a connection with your dog, like a strong sort of bond that you hear people talk about? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the more time you spend with a dog, you build um, a very deep relationship and, and almost a, a psychic relationship. I can, I can look at him and know what he's going to do next, and he can look at me and know what I'm going to do next without us having to say anything. Maggie McClure, the festival's executive director who we first met, offered some great insight into her working relationship with dogs. Is there anything that you personally get out of your relationship with dogs that humans can't provide you or don't provide you, or are they just not that, is it not that special of a bond? Hmm. Well, I do spend, I would say, 90% of my time with animals and not people, um, so I do prefer the company of animals. Uh, nothing against people. I just like them in smaller doses. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a that's kind of a tough question. Hmm. What do you think this work that we're seeing out here, the, this herding of of sheep and using dogs, what does that say to you about the relationship between just humans and animals? What can these dogs do for us as humans? Well, when when you're in the process of training and working with the dog you do develop a true working partnership where you know like I said 50% of the time they they might be taking control of a situation but then another part of the time you need to take control of the situation so if you truly have a working partnership with the dog your relationship is going to blossom in different ways they're going to have to deal with uh, frustration on your part um, or uh, 
um, you know, then you get to share things that are really exciting. Like these folks who are out here competing today, you have to have enough trust in your dog and your dog has to have enough trust in you that they're going to go out there and lie down when you ask them to and they're 450 yards away. And you're saying, hey, lie down there. Hey, go left, go right. And they're, they're open to the suggestion of doing that. Sometimes they'll override your choices. Many times they're correct. Most of the times they're correct to override our choices. Uh, but that's part of a partnership, you know, is, is learning the ebb and flow of, of, what, uh, of that work that needs to be done. They should know those sheep need to come straight down to you. So uh, you want to build the skills. You want them to have their toolbox full with as many skills as possible so they can operate with as much autonomy correctly on their own because they're so far away. They're reading situations that we cannot see with our eyes. It, it really was something to watch. Coming up in the final part of this episode, all of our new friends from the Vashon Sheepdog Classic will share some personal advice. Also, be sure to join the audience over at dogsinourworld.com. I can see that we have listeners all across the United States and in many other countries, but I need to hear from you. It's kind of weird sitting here all by myself talking into this microphone. Uh, So could you say hello and let me know how I'm doing in the comment section of this episode. You can also say hi and leave me a note on our many social media pages. We're on just about all of them. Um, most importantly, leaving a comment in iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts, it lets me know people are listening, and it also boosts the show in the search rankings. So hit me up, even if it's just to say hi. We'll be right back with more dogs in our world. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. You can also message us directly via the contact page at dogsinourworld.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Welcome back. You know, everyone I met at the Vashon Sheepdog Classic taught me something new, and they inspired me even more to examine the relationship between humans and the dogs in our world. Here's Maggie McClure, uh, encouraging all of you dog owners out there to maybe think about what what your dog was initially bred for. Well, I think the importance is with working dogs, there's a compassionate Um, element in which the dog and the sheep and the person all three species come together to participate in this dance that happens in this field and um, if we can show people a little bit of what might happen on a farm and how unique and special that bond is um, if they can have a glimpse into that maybe that would inspire them to be more active and think about their dog in a different way. Maybe it's not doing this, but maybe they've got a dog that it's a Jack Russell and a Jack Russell's may really want to go to ground and go hunting for, you know, rodents or something. And, you know, how to think about what the needs of their dog is and how to help participate with what their dog might be, would have been hardwired to do a long time ago and how to maybe bring that back to the dog. Ian offered some of the best advice that I'd like to echo for anyone who's interested in pursuing any new path, whether it's with dogs or not. Uh, find a good mentor. 
You know, find somebody that, that is doing what you want to be able to do and knows how to teach and, and follow their lead. Anything else you want to share with the listeners? Um, they should come out and watch a sheepdog trial. And that's how most of the people that get into this sport get hooked. They watch one, they see just the joy that the dogs have in their work, and they want to be a part of it. Lori Chamberlain did remind me that uh, it's not as easy as these experienced competitors make it look. What advice do you have for people who want to get into this kind of uh, sport? Oh, do some research before you <laughs> march into it. It really does take a lot of time. Uh, so it's not uh, for the and it's not for the faint of heart. It's a lot of time, and it, uh, not just to practice, but I mean years of practicing as a handler to get uh, um, knowledgeable enough to compete someplace like here. Dick Wilson, uh, he figured out a way to give his dog Beth Ann what she needs while still living the city life. Instead of owning sheep, he drives out to a farm and rents them. I pay $20 a day, and we can go out there and work all day long. And just the idea, here I am, 75, going on 76, and I'm out in the field with her. And when I'm out in the field with her, everything else that you may have on your mind that may be concerning, you know, you're going to have enough money or you keep on going for the next, next four or five years, you know, things of that nature, goes away. Because you're out there with a wonderful animal, and she's out there with you, and that's all that counts. See, I told you these guys were cool. There were so many parts of that that experience that from that weekend that I found just so exhilarating and fascinating. These dogs were not only having a complete blast and working hard, but their very presence on the island brought together a community. Not just the people of Vashon Island, but spectators, spectators came from all over the country to both compete and watch these dogs do what they were designed to do. But it might, maybe it's just going to inspire someone. And maybe it's okay just to sit on a blanket with your friends and just think how in a beautiful place and chat and say, wow, did you see those dogs do that? Or when, when a team is on the field who are very connected and are having a uh, an incredible moment and it's all coming together um, the crowd stops talking I mean it, it gets very quiet and everybody can feel there's some something fascinating happening and special happening in that moment so you know what a great thing to share watching those dogs and humans compete and cooperate with each other really was great and I am glad that I got to share it with you I'd like to thank all of the hardworking staff and volunteers who were behind the Vashon Sheepdog Classic. My biggest takeaway from that experience was a desire to, in a way, be like the dogs I saw. Those dogs out on that field were clearly having fun while working so intensely. How can I be more like that? How can I both enjoy work to its fullest? And the harder I work, the more fun I have. Well, I'll I'll tell you. I've had some really cool jobs in my life, but I have yet to get burned out by being around dogs. Don't forget, pictures from my trip can be found in the gallery section of dogsinourworld.com. Learn more about the Vashon Sheepdog Classic at vashonsheepdogclassic.com. Let me know how I did over at dogsinourworld.com or by leaving a review in iTunes. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. 
while I still have you here, I'd like to thank Shannon for her $50 donation to the project. I put that money towards the media hosting and web hosting monthly bills. Uh, I'd also like to thank a very special listener in Afghanistan who gifted me the new boom microphone that I used for this episode. You know, I work over 40 hours a week with dogs, but it's, it's not a lucrative career by any means. And this project, it's my outlet and it fulfills my desire to serve the public. That means I just can't stop working on this show, even though the costs are never ending. I promise you that your donation will go towards production expenses. If you can afford just $5, I'll happily take it and I'll tell you exactly how I used it. For now, I'm focusing on production quality and content, um, you know, the content that I can produce with the resources that I can afford. Then maybe I'll focus more on figuring out how to monetize this thing. For now, please. Please, if you could, visit donate the donation page at dogsinourworld.com. If you have a business or project that you would like me to promote, just let me know along with the donation. And again, thank you to all of you who already made a donation, no matter how big. It, it really, really means a lot. If you can't afford a donation, trust me, I understand. There are plenty of easy ways that you can still directly support the show. Leave a rating and comment in iTunes so listeners can better find us when using the search box. You can simply tell a friend uh, you think might be interested in this show and also make sure that they know how to download or subscribe to podcasts. Tell me over at dogsinourworld.com or on one of our social media pages how you recruited a new listener. All right? I'd really appreciate it. And thanks again for your support. You guys are the best, and I'll talk to you soon. 